confidence. There's no way. I can't sing that. I mean, it's just like, be prepared that you know every podcast episode is going to start with some singing. Hey, confidence, how are you? I hope you guys are doing well. Um, if you've seen by the title of this video, I just want to reiterate the episode you are about to listen to. I've got to add all the trigger warnings and we say it again, but I'm just going to say it a couple more times. This episode is very, very important and uh, kind of like totally life and mind shifting for me after having this conversation. Um, this conversation does deal with rape and suicidal ideation. And um, yeah, this woman's journey, Marley, and her story has really just um, yeah, it's shifted everything I feel about sexual assault and the system and what we are doing as a country and a government to um, punish people and how we view the victim's point of view. And I just think it's so fucking important. And look, I know that we have a very like big female based audience. So I just want to put it out there that if you know someone that has been uh, sexually assaulted, harassed. Um, I would love for you to send them this episode. I think to hear Marley's point of view and her journey inside of this is, it just, I'm all over the place in this episode. <laughs> I'm feeling a thousand million feelings and it really is, was, was such a scary topic for me. And after doing this interview, I just feel completely rejuvenated and re-educated on the subject. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know it's a little bit different from uh, the comedic normal take of things, but that's why I love this episode because I think we as an audience are completely multifaceted. I know that you guys love this episode for the comedy and silliness of it. And then like we're here to talk about rape just casually on a Monday, in Monday morning. Um, but I think that's really important to recognize that you can have space for that in your life is to there's my reminder to post this episode you guys I'm so on top of shit speaking of being on top of shit uh I put out a call last week to have you guys submit for a position as social media manager for confidently pod uh to help Brooke hi Brooke I love you you are my number one uh run all the social medias and you guys fucking showed out bitches I was so impressed I was like excuse me Where's all this talent coming from that I freaking know these people that want to work with me? I mean, I was shooketh. I there were so many entries and submissions. It took me all week to go through and narrow it down to a couple of you that uh, hopefully we'll have a new social media position manager next week. And I want to introduce you guys to them because it does take a bit of a team to run this. Again, we are self-produced, honey. Okay. No one's taking cuts. I edit it. I post it. I do everything except for Brooke. She's been posting on social media for the last like 10 years of my life. Um, and yeah, the fact that we are self-funded and self-produced and that now we're even adding someone to the team that is from the fandom and is a confidant is just like blowing my mind that we're keeping this going. Like anytime I jump on the phone with like professional companies and, you know, talk about maybe doing a partnership, I'm able to just like brag that like, we don't need y'all. Okay. We got it. We got this thing handled. We are a team. We are a group. Ride or die, bitches. My confidants. <sighs> Okay, now that I've got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I also, before we get into this episode, really want to tell you about Skillshare, okay? Because I have been using this as a way to uh, be curious in this time where my mental health has just been like all over the place where I feel like I do not have time to do anything, okay, but survive, yet like my creativity is thumping and craving an outlet. And I have been able to use Skillshare in the comfort of my home while learning at the price that like any workshop or in-person classes would be so compared to would be so freaking pricey and so time consuming. Any annual subscription for Skillshare is less than $10 a month. Okay. And it is an online learning community where millions, okay, millions of people. So this works. People come together to take next steps in their creative journey. And it's thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. Hi, uh, confidants. Um, I have been sifting through the best of their film and video classes, and I started taking a class about After Effects, okay? Some of you editors will know a little bit about that, but they also have really cool uh, classes that I am sifting through about like low-budget filmmaking, tips and tricks for an indie look. There's iPhone videography to shoot and edit video using your iPhone, okay? So like, hello, can I just make a movie? on my iPhone. Turns out you sure freaking can and you should. Um, Explore your creativity and get two free months of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash Kelsey. I am giving you free classes right now in this time of quarantine to give yourself just like an outlet, okay? If you guys are taking breaking from classes or school, this is a way to keep up with some of your talents and hobbies in a way that doesn't feel like freaking homework or like extra burden to do something, okay? That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of free classes. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash Kelsey. That's two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash Kelsey. Let's go advertisements. Let's go self-producing podcasts. Let's go team of wonderful, empowered, amazing boss, confidants. Let's go episode, okay, about a sub that you are subject that you are going to feel so empowered and amazed and completely rejuvenated by. Trigger warnings, trigger warnings. Don't forget, send it to your friends. I love you. Enjoy this week's episode. I will see you next week, confidants. I love what you put in your email where you're like, some other identity type words you're welcome to use. Is 25 years old, queer, Canadian, Jewish. All of that is very important for me. Well, <laughs> yeah, some people are like, sweet. Some people are like, we don't care about that. No, I, I want like all the verbiage and nouns uh, to introduce our guests. And then, okay, so like, I guess I can start and like, I want to also put this in the beginning is like, Oh, I am so, how am I, why am I so scared to talk about somebody else's trauma? Like, why am I so nervous? Wow. Can I be, can I be so honest? Also, I, I appreciate the realness. Um, <laughs> I totally listened to your podcast episode of like you sharing about emotional <gasps> before this because I was nervous and then I was like no I need to like humanize you and your story and just like get on the same page in that way and I just like yeah I really appreciate you and I was like oh my god are you kidding I feel like especially with something like this where it's like two women talking to each other I you know I've always said like the reason why I do this podcast is because I feel such a sense of control but then the content that I'm always 
promoting or, or discussing makes me feel very out of control. So like, uh, for instance, a conversation like this, right? Like, obviously we want to put all the trigger warnings out there that this episode does deal with. Like, I'm even scared to say the R word. Why? Why am I scared? It's, it's Yeah. But I think it's really, yeah. I just, I appreciate realness and like, yeah. true for everyone listening. Yeah. Like, hello. Okay. We just need to say it. This episode deals with rape, sexual assault. Um, there's some mention of suicide, suicidal ideation, mental health. Like, okay. We've got that out of the way. Trigger warnings, all the trigger warnings. So now we can just talk. Okay. You guys, I want to introduce my guest for this week. I actually got an email from you and it was like the header that like just captured me where you said, I think it was like, um, why I decided to spend eight hours with my rapist instead of going to court. And I was like, what the fuck? So you guys, this is Marley Liss. Uh, she is a women's embodiment coach and author of a gorge book, international retreat facilitator, and the executive director of the rehumanize movement. And we'll get into what that is and uh, why you founded the organization with your mother, whose name is Barbie, which like, <laughs> amazing. Um, so your uh, sexual assault case became the first, uh, one of the first in North America to conclude with restorative justice, which is what this episode is all about restorative justice. So Marley, my first question simply is, what the fuck is restorative justice? <laughs> Good question. Thank you so, so much for having me. And for oh my God, an honor. Yay. Um, what is restorative justice? So, so ironically, like I just learned about restorative justice last year like, mm. or just over a year ago, which is when I put this all in motion to make this a thing for my own case. Mm. So I'm not claiming to be a restorative justice expert. But None of us are. <laughs> basically, um, it's an alternative to the punitive system. So instead of focusing on punishing the perpetrator, mm. focused on the harm that was caused and repairing and addressing that harm. See that we're ripping off band-aids right away. Like I feel like that's what restorative justice is. And if you Google it, because that's the first thing I did, it gives kind of like um, a, a controversial take, I guess you could say. Um, I know you did an article with BuzzFeed News. Shout out, shout out to Lauren. We'll put that article below. Um, in her article, she states, although it's based in centuries-old practices cobbled together from various traditions. Restorative justice is still seen as a radical and controversial alternative to traditional crime and punishment. So I guess we can just get right into it, right? So I guess my, my first question is like, why the fuck would anyone ever want to do restorative justice, especially when it comes to rape and sexual assault? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that people are really confused about that question. And I think there's a huge perception that survivors would never, ever want it. Mm. And yet, after all these articles came out about my own story, I received emails from like hundreds, maybe thousands of survivors. Mm. Saying, I want this or I wish I knew about this. Mm. And I think there's so many reasons that this is better for us in some cases, not all cases, but it's really a survivor-centered process. Oof. So this 
Yeah, this is like, it's, and honestly, I would say like, if our alternative is court, like the punitive, mm-hmm. court, I would straight up say that court is abusive. Ooh, it's right? scary as fuck. Like that was one of my questions. First of all, what's the crown? Cause you're Canadian. Right. Yes. Yeah. Crown <laughs> prosecutor. Okay. Just yeah. for all the Americans out there, that's yeah. what that means. So like, let's go back to the beginning and, and you and I kind of emailed off thread. And again, I want to like put out all the trigger warnings and hopefully that I can, uh, use the right verbiage and please, uh, forgive me if I'm, you know, if I don't get the verbiage right and feel free to please correct me. But you and I had emailed off thread a little bit about how much you want to talk about your case and, and your assault. And, um, I guess for the people listening, it would be good just to kind of hear in your own words, how you describe what happened to you that, in that case. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so in 2016, I was raped by a stranger and it was like a really undeniably horrible rape. Um, Mm. I think all rapes are probably undeniably horrible. Um, this lasted about four hours Mm. and it was like really weird. Part of what was really weird like after I said no a bunch of times, I just froze. Mm. And he just kept going. But every so often, he would be like, This is so messed up. I'm so sorry. <gasps> wow. And then he would continue. Mm. And it was so confusing. Like that mm. blew my brain in half. Cause I was just like, Wait, are you feeling em- like some level of empathy while you? Mm this and then continuing but also feeling empathy like what what (laughs) right right yeah so yeah he like covered my mouth at at certain points and um yeah it was really I I wrestled with a lot of self-blame because I was drunk Mm, Um, mm -hmm. that's such a big thing for women and that's such a thing that gets used against us in court and all that crap um but yeah, that's, that's basically what that experience was. Right. And I feel like that's important to note because we will kind of dive in later about sort of like this drinking culture and again, like uh, victim shaming and victim blaming and, um, you know, toxic masculinity and all of that. Um, but going back to your case specifically, so I read in one of the articles that right after the assault, or am I supposed to be saying alleged assault? That's the other question I had for later. I mean, like, it is what it is, but like, legally, am I supposed to say alleged? I don't give a shit. It's my podcast, right? Yeah, like, personally, (laughs) I am not a fan of that word because I'm just like, that word is like steeped in skepticism. It just negates everything I'm about to say. No, so I I don't say it, and I prefer when people don't say it. Okay, good when people do get to know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I imagine that like with this BuzzFeed news article it was probably different because they have like you know fucking fancy lawyers and all that shit that tell them what to do blah 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 yeah. um okay so after the assault you went and did a rape kit and I you know read about the questions you had to endure while doing that process and how maybe that could could have been the start of you going like, wait a minute, I'm doing all the things that I'm told I'm supposed to be doing, yet why am I already feeling uh, 
uh, blamed even after I just went through this traumatic event. So can you maybe talk a little bit about that process of the rape kit and the questions that you received? Yeah, I mean, one of the most horrible things was that like, and this is quite common apparently, like the nurses were understaffed. So I had to wait 24 hours and they said, don't shower, don't change. And like literal like semen on me and just wait. Um, So like just this this list of reasons that people don't report because you have to do so much. And this is why I'm like, these are all reasons of why I feel restorative justice is more ideal or more more kind Mm. um so the actual nurse who did my rape kit was like really lovely um but but it was a really horrible process and then basically they said to me um do you want to report or not and I was kind of like well I don't want nothing Mm -hmm. I want to just like go home and watch Netflix and (laughs) how could I even right so I was like, I guess I'll report. Um, and that's like the the police statement part is probably where you saw those questions because they're right. so horrible. And it's it's constantly like trying to disprove you or to confuse you enough to like throw off your narrative. And mm. it's so fresh. And I'm like still hungover and trying. Yeah. I was just saying like being hungover, just the anxiety that comes with that alone coupled with. I'm assuming male police officers and their whole job is to uh, investigate if a crime was committed. And I don't really know that like how much empathy or emotion is allowed to be involved in that job when like in that situation. And for you to not have that comfort, like my first idea is like, why don't they include like a therapist or someone or a counselor in those sorts of situations at a hospital but of course I mean like god that's a dream world right yeah and and I remember like now that you you say that I'm like one of the questions they asked me was was literally how many thrusts per minute mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah in like, what who, fucking world yeah who knows that in in, a, in the most like consensual experience who knows that like, and, like why does that matter if it's faster or or slower does that change the situation no i mean so so like i mentioned you went through the regular uh routine questions of like how much had you had to drink what were you wearing just all the shit that like absolutely does not matter to what the end result is and um i read that so you were you had the choice to be able to move forward with a and tell me if i'm getting this word right but like with a trial with a with a prosecution with a case you were you were like they were like yes you were raped and now we can move on no they were not okay you were raped they were like there's enough evidence for us to move on to trial to see if you were raped wow Um, and i also feel like it's important to say i really want to write an article on how the punitive trial is the least consensual thing in the world because it's like you say yes you're like okay i'm gonna report so you say yes but you have no idea what you're saying yes to like Hmm. i then walked down a three-year path of trials and all this stuff and there's no support given to you it might be different in the states but Hmm. i probably not it's probably not like the, the yeah. 
survivor gets no defense, no legal support, um, is completely in the dark about what's going on. And I was told things like, you know, Marley, like you have to answer every question they ask you on the stand, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you, or you're seen as non-cooperative and you could be charged. (gasps) And that's like threatening you. It's like no fucking one. I mean, these are the absolute horror stories that we hear and we never... We, I think we don't ever have the chance to personalize them, which is like why I'm so grateful you reached out because you only hear about this shit, right? You, you never imagine actually going through it yourself. And I have to imagine at that point, you know, it's, you know, my first question was why the fuck would you do restorative justice? But I, I feel like even to this point, which is just the entryway into yeah. the punitive system, you're already like, fuck this. Like, no wonder restorative justice sounds like such a better option. And I love what you said about it being so survivor-centered. And I, I'm sorry if I flip it between victim and survivor. I'm working on that. Um, I wanted to ask about the rape kit with restorative justice. With that process specifically to a sexual assault or harassment or whatever, RJ allows restorative justice does that does that process matter in doing restorative justice do you need a certain amount of evidence to move forward with something like that that's a really good question and i think that's something that's really important to say is like to my knowledge this is the first time this has happened through the legal system in north america wow holy shit no pressure girl (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so um Something my lawyer said, because I ended up seeking out a lawyer. And keep in mind, like, no one was telling me about restorative justice. Which, side note, again, I'm not sure about the states, but it's in Victims' Bill of Rights in in Canada that you're supposed to be informed about restorative (gasps) justice right away. And I don't know anyone who has had that experience. And so to even be talking about this being like the first, and you mentioned that you had never been given even the option of restorative justice, how did you? hear about it and decide like you know what fuck the traditional system i'm gonna go the survivor centric route yeah so so i did the punitive thing and i want to say side note too like my focus the year after rape was not on like the justice outcome i was visioning it was like i need to survive and very much like i was deeply deeply depressed and like it was just hor- like I would break out in hives all the time and just like shake and it was really horrible and I think I shared with you like at one point I was thinking about taking my life and um, I would say that going to punitive trial worsened any progress I had made significantly. Mm. Um, so basically I did the preliminary trial, which is where they decide, is there enough evidence for us to go to like a legit cameras in the room trial? Right. Um, so I was on the stand for like five hours. I didn't have, like my assailant was just like looking at the ground. He was there? Yeah, he was there. He's like looking at the ground. The defense is, is saying like the worst, like just again, like questions. Of like course. How- for a minute and how could he access that hole if you were lying in the position you said you were lying in have these people just never had sex before (laughs) i have to imagine that they're just like nuns or something like if you want to make it happen it's gonna happen i don't know if they do like curious yeah (laughs) they're like there from the for themselves they're like okay but 
to the butthole. How does that work? And could you explain to us? We're just wondering, just for fun, just for fun. Uh, and you were like, again, fuck this, I imagine. Yeah, it was so, so, so horrible. And, and honestly, I was like, I, I like feel like I'm pretty badass and strong. And yeah, I was just going to say that. But I was like, I remember I had sought out like an hour of free legal support at this like women's organization. Mm -hmm. And they were like, here, we're going to help you prepare for trial. And they asked me a test question and I did not have one word. Mm -hmm. They were like, can you describe what happened that night? And I was like, uh, 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 uh. and I was like, I'm going to throw up on the stand. Like, I'm just going to throw up and then cry and then nothing's ever going to happen. It's not uh, worth it at that point. Yeah. It's for it's you. So brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this, this center you went to, were they the ones that kind of were like, or? No, no oh. one, no one for it. Like I discovered it on my own. So basically after the preliminary trial, I was again, just like, I need to focus on my own healing. Cause this has been a lot. And, um, I kind of like denied that the whole process was still going. I just like mm. it pretended it, it wasn't happening. And then about a year later, so now it had been three years. Since wow. Then, this was just last winter, just last wow. winter. Right. I was subpoenaed for the criminal trial. And at this point I was like, I think I'm going to drop the charges. Cause I like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I remembered that I had met, like, this is so ridiculous. Like, I remembered I'd met a woman when I was traveling in Portugal, and she was from Germany, and she mentioned that sometimes they do it differently in Germany. And wow. I remembered her. <laughs> and, wow. And I, I want to say, too, that I, so I didn't know about restorative justice at all, but I had said to some like close friends and like a therapist, I had said like, if this was my world, I wouldn't do this whole insane process. I would just meet with this human. I would like ask them all the questions I have because I had so many questions and I would want to receive accountability and an apology and ownership. And I would want him to witness the grief he caused. Mm. And I think that's a big, I hate to say like appealing part of restorative justice, but you mentioned like they do it differently elsewhere. And I had no idea about restorative justice until I read your email. I didn't, I don't know if they do it all over the world. I don't know if it's something just in Canada or, is, or you know, you're the first, right? Like um, the fact that you really get to say what you want to say and do what you want to do. And it feels like, shouldn't that be how it is in all instances? I mean, the government shouldn't be in control of your healing and you can only do so much outside of yourself, you know, outside of court, but once it's involved in the crown, that's just cool to say. Uh, it, it felt like you were then completely at the will of the government and what they wanted to do. It's like, where is your control in that whole situation? You have none versus restorative justice, which probably was founded by women. Let's be honest. Um, it really also focuses on humanizing the assaulter, right? Like they don't just become another number in a jailhouse where probably no education or, or healing is done. And 
Yeah. So, so when you heard, when you found out that this was an option, you had to make it so that the government who was trying to do it this one way would legally allow this other thing. Yeah. So, so one thing just to clarify is like, this Please. is <laughs> through the legal system for sexual violence. Okay. This happens all the time for like shoplifting and like youth crimes and that kind of like a like imagine story. smaller like maybe even like custody stuff mediation but this yeah. is different. Yeah, yeah. So basically when I reached out to her she was like, "Oh, it's called restorative justice." And I was like, "Okay." So I started doing some research. I literally put in my Instagram story, "Has anyone heard of restorative justice?" Shut the fuck up. You are a full on like in fact, you're doing, you're like a lawyer at this point. <laughs> Get <for> the bar. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> and then someone responded, which, which got me connected with this amazing lawyer named Jeff Carolyn. And he's like, they connected me with him because he's written and like been a big advocate for restorative justice. Mm. So basically I reached out to him and I was like, I need support. And mm-hmm. oh, good for you for even just fucking being able to do that period yeah so then we had like oops we had this meeting um that I feel like is probably the most badass moment of my life tell me tell me tell me (laughs) so first I met with the lawyer for like 10 minutes and I was just like this is what I want and he's like okay this is the game plan we go we meet with the prosecutor and um we tell them what you want and he's like don't get your hopes up like you'll get shut down every day asking oh and um which is real and so a really like miraculous and important and like dramatic part of the story is that they were passing off my case from one crown to a different crown so they were both in the room in order to like make that transition wow which like did they both have to agree to it kind of so so this is why it's like dramatic because <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is dramatic. <laughs> but this is where the music of like uh, adds. Yeah, this is where it gets kind of like TV. I feel mm. it's like basically I I went in and um I'm like kind of a hippie chick and I was like wearing a long red skirt and I had feathers in my hair so they were probably like not taking me seriously at all mm. and um basically I went in and. So there were these two crowns and I said, I want to do restorative justice. And right away, one of the crowns was like, um, why are you scared of criminal trial? You're strong enough to do a criminal trial. We're going to do a criminal trial. Glad we had this talk. And my lawyer was like, uh, I think Marley had like a different vision in mind. And then the other crown who's named Kara and she's now on our board of directors and she's amazing. She was like, Marley, what's your dream vision for your justice outcome? And I'm like, that is Thank like- you, woman in the room. <laughs> I, that was the first time since this rape happened that someone gave a shit about mm. what I wanted. Fucking fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Three years. Mm-hmm. That, that was the first time someone in an official legal position fucking asked you what you wanted. Yeah. It literally gives me the chills. Like my armpit hair just grew like half an inch because I'm like enraged and emotional. I just started my period today. So shit is going to be- Oh my God, sisters. Me too. I'm all fucked up over here. I'm sweating. I'm a wreck. This story, I'm like, I've read all of the articles, but yet still I'm like, 
<laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So you're like, okay, wow. Here's what I want. Yeah. So I said what I wanted. And so crown who shall not be named mm-hmm. was like, um, and again, this is a really like, are you kidding me moment? She's like, you know, Marley, with the Me Too movement, people really want to see rapists locked up for a longer amount of time. Oh, and fuck. I said to her, and this is my badass moment, I was like, so you're using the Me Too movement to silence my voice? Sis. <laughs> I'm snapping as hard as I fucking can into the microphone because that is insane that what ass backwards psychology of like you should be a voice for you know but in a way you're doing something so radical and so revolutionary you were really taking a chance on doing something opposite that would have even a strong if not stronger outcome confidence before we get back to this incredible conversation i quickly wanted to talk to you a little bit about self-care okay and right now in the time that the world is self-care shouldn't feel like an extra chore which is what's great about cbd y'all have heard me talk up and down the internet about cbd and how it has made my pain and soreness less notable uh what's great about cbd is that it helps you make you feel better without a drastic change and especially if you you are using caliper cbd which is what i want to introduce you to a better way to consume your CBD. Unlike oils and powder, uh, uh, tinctures, a CBD powder is completely tasteless and mixes easily into any food or drink. Okay, there is precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD, so you never have to wonder how much you're taking. I actually keep them right here in my desk drawer. I'm making a noise of it opening and closing because this is where I sit all day from having my morning coffee to eating my dinner and lunch. So I just keep them in my drawer. I pull them out whenever and I sprinkle it on anything I want, even in my coffee. Yes, because it has no freaking taste. It is why yield okay and caliper cbd comes in affordable 10 and 30 count packs you can get started for under 20 dollars okay get 20 percent off of your first order when you use promo code confidently insecure at trycaliper.com slash confidently insecure you can try caliper cbd risk-free for 30 days and if you don't love it they will give you a full refund that's trycaliper.com slash confidently insecure don't forget promo code confidently insecure for 20% off your first order. Good for fucking you. So they agreed. They were like, okay, sis. <laughs> so then, and then her other narrative, which I think is a lot of people's narrative is like, oh, sweetie, like, don't you understand that rape is bad? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like out of everyone in this room, I definitely know that rape is bad. And, and again, I, my thing is like, I think that rape is so bad that we need to consider alternatives because what we're doing isn't working. Like sexual right. violence is one of the only um, areas of crime that like it has not dropped in the past yeah. 30 years and recidivism, like people reoffending after incarceration is so likely and people usually get acquitted anyways. So yeah. I had a stat here about just like the different, I mean, it's not so much different in Canada, but the police ultimately uh it's estimated that only five percent of sexual assaults in canada are reported to police and of those a global investigation found that 20 percent are deemed unfounded meaning police have decided a crime did not occur Mm -hmm. so you're looking at these stats like 
first of all, I may not even have a chance. You're telling me even though a crime was committed and I have enough evidence. And so for you to have so much empathy for the assaulter, I think is also where my brain is kind of like, I don't know that I would be able to do that. And that's probably something you get told a lot, right? Yeah, totally. And and I think like there's so much to that, but honestly, I'd say that my my biggest drive in this was like when I was suicidal, I was like considering that because I didn't want to live in a world where we're dehumanizing each other like this. And so I was like what world do I want to live in? Like I decided to keep living. So I was like, what world do I want to live in? And it's like, it's not one where I like dehumanize that person right back. Like it's, it's one where that cycle of violence stops because my belief is like, okay, what if he did go to jail? He would just like have a horrible time, be super exposed to so much more violence, um, sit in like immense shame probably hopefully and then um, yeah. that get out a few years later and like be very very likely to reoffend. Mm-hmm. and just like when does this shit stop yeah wow so to me I was like it's really about breaking this this cycle of violence and so just in case I we hadn't said it what you were asking for was for the assaulter would have to do very intense weekly, monthly, daily, uh, supervised, written about therapy? Like, can you tell me what exactly you wanted from this person rather than like the process, I guess? Yeah, so I wanted him, I didn't have that specific a vision of it, but like I wanted (laughs) to go to therapy um, and I wanted it to be extensive. Um, and my thing, it was like, I want him to heal whatever shit caused him to do this. Amen. And then I want us to do the restorative circle, which is that piece where we actually meet and like <laughs> sit in a circle. And this is the process that we obviously had that lasted like eight hours. Um, oh. yeah, yeah. And that, you know, to even... It's like a double-edged sword because it's like you have the control, but you still have to go through now the emotional healing because I think what happens a lot of times is when people either, you know, their case is dismissed or they're not believed or they don't even go to report is a lot of repression, a lot of um, disassociation, uh, trauma that comes down later in the line. And so by you saying like, this is what I want to happen legally be accounted for we are actively and publicly choosing to show what emotional traumatic healing looks like between two people who society deems that are supposed to fucking hate each other or we get that beautiful news clipping of someone going i forgive them and it's like that's it's so sensationalized where this I feel like is so much harder because I know another thing is people would say like restorative justice is going easy. Like, no, they should do jail. And it's like anyone that listens to this podcast knows that that's not true, you know, by the fucked up justice system. And I'm sure it's just as crazy in Canada as it is in America. But, but exactly like you said that nothing would get solved there. If not, it would get worse. 
And so tell me about the process of what that looked like of knowing he was going to therapy and that you had this like big fucking circle thing coming up. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. Yeah. So, so basically it was like, we left that meeting and then, um, it was kind of like, okay, these crowns are essentially kind of like fighting for this case. Mm. And if one of them gets it, it'll happen. And if the other does, it won't. Um, so it obviously did end up happening. And, um, I just want to say too, like when I got the phone call and my lawyer was like, we got a yes, we're doing restorative justice. Honestly, that's the most, that was the most beautiful moment in my life. Mm. That was the healing moment of my life. Cause I like one of the biggest trauma losses for me was like voice. I was like, my voice does not matter. I can say no and nobody's going to care. Um, this was like, I just asked like, the system to reroute itself for me and i i was heard and that was so healing um and just to like know that there is this potential for him to actually change and like i don't know this person but like i don't yeah i want i don't want someone to like live like that and to live like that and to like um so it was like deeply, deeply, deeply healing. Basically they were like, we got a yes for restorative justice. He's starting therapy right away. Um, he, we will not do the circle unless he gets to a point where he can take full accountability. Okay. But like hard stop because I wrote this down and I like bolded it. And I was like, the fact that you had to wait till he was ready. I mean, I don't know that again, like I, you were just a better, different person than I am, but like, how were you able to go? Like, I will wait until he is ready to do the circle because it wouldn't work. Right. If he wasn't, you wouldn't get what you wanted or, or. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it wasn't really like once he's ready, we'll have the circle. It was more like, will the circle will happen. Like if he's willing to take accountability, but also it was like the circle will happen when you're ready for it to happen, Marley. And I needed like six months. Like wow. I, mm-hmm. I, I call it like a celebration tour. Like I was actually until about a month before the circle when I got like very stressed and nervous and like, ugh, um, like the like four or five, whatever, six months after I got that call, I was like in full celebration mode. Like I felt like, this like <laughs> like there's this like little girl in me who like stopped believing in magic and love mm-hmm. when trauma and trauma and trauma happened and then this was like no like anything you want to happen like your dreams can come true like right. you can live in a in a healing world like so i don't know it was such a deep it was so deeply meaningful for me and like I, that's when i did my like oregon california mm-hmm. adventure Um, and I was just so happy. And then, and then about a month before I was like, holy shit, like this is terrifying. Mm. Um, and I think what's important to say is like, cause someone might be like, oh, does that mean like restorative justice isn't good? And I'm like, at the end of the day, we're still talking about how to deal with rape. Right. So like, it's never gonna feel great. And in a completely (laughs) world, we don't have to 
talk about justice roots anyways because it's not yeah yeah it kind of feels too like the punitive system is what it is that's the standard if we take a step back into survivor-centric healing it feels like there's restorative justice and if we're to take even a step back further which hopefully is the world in which we're heading is like instead we're teaching boys how to not rape right but this feels like a huge fucking step towards um like you kind of said like breaking the circle right and it's like we do have to do the hard stuff in order you know, anything that's worth doing is hard or whatever the fuck that quote is that people always get tattooed on them. But so, you know, it, it must've all felt super worth it for you. Like as scary as it must've been, you know, I imagine that, uh, were you always kind of like the hippie girl, like, or was this kind of a transformation? Um, (laughs) that's a good question. Like, like, okay, before this rape happened, I was living on an ashram for like three months. So what is that? Like a meditation center. Oh, no way. <laughs> like the divine feminine. And so, oh, I, hell yeah. Yeah, I was already in that. And I was studying social work too. Mm. And I'm sure that shaped a lot of my views for this. Wow. I was very aware of like the fact that rape happens within rape culture, it's not like wow. a random bad seed kind of thing it's more mm. this human has been taught since they were born that women are objects and that this is how he asserts his power and like all these different messages so I just felt like aware of of that versus this yeah. like thing I was gonna ask a little bit about that I had written down right now I'm finishing my book and I've been reading a lot about shame this is actually the book I just happen to have it right here <laughs> um I have like a stack of I can't even, um, but it talks a lot about, you know, self shame is, is never useful, right? Like the idea of where shame came from, came from the beginning of time. It was, it was a survival method. It was, you know, in the tribes, we look at the guy who's doing some stupid shit is going to get everybody killed. So we shame him to, to protect the tribe. And it's like, that's where shame started from, even though it is not a, um, it's kind of like ingrained within us. For some reason, no one has to teach us shame. We just feel it. And in this case, right? Like, is it useful here? Because they even have an example in the book of like, well, we do need shame to, to have, you know, people like uh, child pedophiles or, or rapists. Like we have to have shame in order to stop that. And I wondered you know, like they always say like good people can make bad mistakes. Like at what point do we say like, this is not a mistake we can forgive or, or, you know, we do need to shame this behavior in a certain light because I feel like, is that just something that has to come on his own? Like we can't, I've asked 17 questions now at this point, I'll just let you respond. (laughs) No, I hear you. And like, I think that that's, those are really good questions because I think a lot of people like I like some of the comments I've gotten on these articles are like, you're a rape apologist or like you've let this man walk free, like internet trolls, you know? Sure. Uh, um, Very familiar with those. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, this was not a light and fluffy process for my assailant. Mm. This was like, fucking terrifying for him Mm. and I think a lot of people don't get that because 
it's like he actually had to fully face and feel what he did. Whereas with incarceration, he's told right away, like even his defense lawyer is like, don't tell me what happened. Here's your story. And Mm -hmm. then he goes to prison, like very unlikely. But if he does go to prison, he probably never tells anyone what he did because people who cause sexual violence experience way more violence themselves in prison. So he would probably like never, ever, ever talk or think about what he did or Mm -hmm. he would about it and it would like consume him or whatever mm. um but he'd never like friggin reflect for a second wow. on like a second right mm. and, um this was the opposite like this was like look this is marley this like human that you deeply hurt and violated like this is her mom like my mom and my sister were in the circle and mm. um yeah i'd love to talk about the actual circle because Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, you're going right in the direction of my questions. It's like, yeah. like fucking, let's like, oh, let's go to the climax, right? Like, fuck, you go, this is an Ada circle. What the fuck are you thinking? What are you wearing? What are you, oh, I'm like chills. I just, I, I will try to be professional. Tell me about <laughs> the day of the circle meeting. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So that's one thing is like restorative justice community oriented so it acknowledges that other people were affected by this trauma mm-hmm. um, which I really appreciate so because yeah my mom's life was changed by this wow. and I was deeply affected by this so they were both there um my lawyer Kara the epic crown attorney um what a my, title <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> my assailant and a friend who he brought as a support person mm. and there two mediators there and I mean every single piece of the process was like the most real contrast from court like first of all there was like so much like self-care and there were like Mm -hmm. snack breaks and like (laughs) oh fucking amazing (laughs) (laughs) and restorative justice has indigenous roots so right right um, I'm glad you brought that up sacred medicines there was like an altar in the center of the circle to mm. honor the roots now is that a canadian thing because there is like indigenous people of canada and is there in u.s but like is that something that we would also be able to uh in introduce into restorative justice if it were to come into the u.s like i feel like yeah. people don't think about the environment that you're in like you mm-hmm. want it to feel very safe it can't be like a fucking glass room with like you know what you imagine a government building to feel like right right yeah it felt so 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 different Mm. um, there actually is like there's some amazing restorative justice organizations in the states um they just don't deal with sexual violence as far as (sighs) well fuck well fuck and i think it's shifting and hopefully and this is why i share this story (laughs) or part of why i share it is because i'm like hey we need this we want this Mm. um this helps so <laughs> hey guys i don't know if you want to listen to me the survivor maybe i might have some ideas for you guys <laughs> right <laughs> well, yeah they really should hire you it's like uh, catch me if you can where they hire leonardo dicaprio character at the end <laughs> so so you make the room super safe you make it you know respective of where the process came from yeah, and they also um, met with each of us one-to-one beforehand because there's two mm. meetings. 
and they met with each of us beforehand and they talked about like what do you want out of this what are your fears around this and for Mm. me my fear is like that he will just be a stone wall and will be like the least moved by this whole thing and that will just be like wrong about all of this um and it it was it was really like I like to say like exceeded like beyond my expectations but like in line with my dreams (laughs) right yeah like he was really present but I guess I'll kind of walk through it so basically one of the things they said was you have to greet everyone (gasps) when you come to the space and already that's like breaking all the codes of the people right (laughs) like put one here and one here and never let them talk again and that's justice but yet even like for anyone not just restorative justice like advocates and stuff statistically the number one need that survivors of sexual assault have is accountability a motherfucking man never ever ever get accountability in the way that the punitive system is set up right so it's just like what so so you had to basically say hi to him yeah which was crazy i remember like standing i was so shaky like i was shaky and they put us on rolly chairs and like (laughs) this is a hazard because I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, that's comedic in a moment of drama in a yeah, movie. And like, <laughs> I ended up sitting on the floor cause I was like, I can't, like my body is shaking. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So, so we had to greet everyone in whatever way felt true and good for us. Um, and then we sat down, everyone wrote down this, like, it was like an icebreaker activity, like write down three values that you have, put them in the center. Mm. Um, then they asked us one question, the mediators, they said, what brought you here today? And that's all they asked. And that's what took us like eight hours to respond to. Um, yeah. And I, I want to step in and ask because I read this, but we're obviously talking about it, that it said you had to sign an NDA that wouldn't talk about the person or their lawyer and some of the stuff that was said in the meeting or afterwards, or can you explain that a little bit better for me? Yeah. So I can talk about anything that happened in the meeting, but I'm Mm. not allowed to disclose any information that would like potentially reveal his identity. Okay. Um, How does that make you feel? Like, was that something that you knew from the beginning that was going to have to be part of it? I feel, um, I feel okay with that. Like I, to me, I'm like, it would just like destroy his life for his identity to be exposed Mm. in that way. Um, but more than that, like, it's not, it's just not really a need for me. Like, I'm not really like the world needs to know who this person is. Mm. Um, But I will say, like, in my dream world, because I'd like to put stuff out there, because you never know, like, he would actually share his story. That's what I was going to say, is, like, you two do this, like, traveling dual, world-changing fucking team thing. Yeah, yeah. Not to be like, spoiler alert, everything worked (laughs) out, but, like, that's where we're heading, right? It's like... That's the stuff that goes on my, like, secret vision board. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. b- back to the meeting. 
I read that there felt like in the beginning a sense of he had not wanted to take accountability and you stayed, which is pretty incredible because I feel like if I felt any resistance from this person who had just gone through six fucking months of the whole point being to admit what the fuck you did and then to have any kind of resistance, I don't think I could have. Mm-hmm. That's you must have had so much strength to be able to continue with that conversation. Oh, thank you. I'm like, oh my gosh, if only you heard like a recording of my crying. That was oh, but like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess I guess even before I say that, I want to say that that I was the second person to talk after my sister and that I spoke for like an hour at least. And it was like, I really needed that. Like I really needed to say my piece. Yeah. Say my piece and to be heard. And like, to like, I was like, I need you to make eye contact with me while I say this. Wow. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) And did Um, he? Yeah. 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 He was like very present and he would like get teary-eyed at certain points. Oh. Everyone was like very casual and he wore a suit and oh. afterwards he was like, I was so nervous. I didn't know what to do. And um, oh. yeah. So then when it got to him, that piece, it wasn't that he wasn't taking accountability, but it was that he was telling his story and mm. he actually, apologized he was like I'm sorry for if I caused harm in the way I shared my story um Mm. so there was like so many growth signs and keep in mind like this is a stranger to me I Uh, had I had met him during the assault and in court and I I don't I didn't remember like his voice I like Mm. Facebook stalked him once and saw um a picture of him and his mom on Mother's Day and he was like love you mom and I just like stared at it for hours (sighs) I actually saw him on Tinder once (gasps) through my phone. And I was like, how are people who are charged with sexual assault on Tinder? Holy shit. Yeah. You don't think about that. I mean, I did see a TikTok that, oh my God, I can't believe we bring up fucking TikTok (laughs) right now. But I saw a TikTok yesterday that was like, you know, a video of a girl recording some guy's Facebook page that was like saying something about his mom. And it was like, when a guy, you know, is a piece of shit is trying to say to his mom, how much he loves and respects women when she doesn't even know how much of a piece of shit. And she was just like going on and on and on. And I was like, yeah. And that kind of reminds me of it. Like, it kind of goes back to that thing of like, can good people do bad things? Or are we seeing this person as a whole as a bad, like, are we multifaceted? Like, I can't imagine what that must have felt like seeing him on Tinder. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I really love TikTok. So thank you. <laughs> Girl, we can exchange all day. Me and my sister and a couple of other friends just have a thread going where we just send our favorites all day back and forth. But, wow. <laughs> so so yeah. I didn't even think about that in between time where you were kind of also discovering this person via social media and seeing the way that he must have like portrayed himself. and. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine too that, or maybe I'm wrong, was any of this uh, assault uh, information in the public when you were going through the the pretrial stuff? Mm, Good question. I don't, I don't know. I don't really Mm. know. Yeah. 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 I imagine that 
the the weight that he must have also been carrying not that i don't know do i care i don't know if i'm supposed to care but like the weight that he was carrying must have also been like the anticipation must have been fucking soul crushing yeah so okay so i'll tell you like what his narrative was Mm -hmm. um so and this is why i like i described it as like i turned to stone and cracked and died in the circle Mm because it was so it was this moment of like holy shit like yeah we were wrong I was wrong Mm. Um, but he was basically saying that and we speak about this all the time with with survivors where survivors repress a trauma but he was like I repressed this um he was saying that right when I like ran out he was like oh how strange that she like ran and then, um, and it's messed up because you'll remember, like, he knew what he was doing. Right. Because he kept saying, like, this is so fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is so messed up. Um, but, yeah, so he was, like, I was confused. Something fell off. And then uh, the police came and they charged me. And it was very, very scary. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of his narrative. And he's like, and I became suicidal because I was being charged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was confused and I didn't know what was going on. And he like shared about that, like wanting to take his life. Wow. And, um, yeah. And so this is quite like movie plot twist, like, how the hell is this really happening moment as well was he was like, I repressed it until someone very close to me, um, who is now, I like hesitate because I, there's like fear of not being believed because it's like kind of crazy. Of um, course. Of course. Yeah. But um, he was like, yeah, this person is now his girlfriend. And she came to him at that time and was like, I was sexually assaulted and she told him and the details were very similar, like, like being at a club and then getting in a car and just like a similar narrative. And she kept saying like, um, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. And he said to her, it wasn't your fault. And as he said that, he said it was like his memories unlocked from the night and he remembered everything and he remembered how messed up it was. And like, picture me, like I'm just sitting here on this like friggin' roller coaster. <laughs> being, Wait, what? Wait, what? Wow. What? And then he like, you know, and then he looks me in the eyes and he's like, I sexually assaulted you and I'm wow. so free. There's mm. nothing I can do to take it back, but I hope being here today can help. Mm. And I, honestly did not know how much I needed that. Like I literally physically felt like a knot untied in my stomach and I just burst into tears. And it was like, honestly, like this like really deep relief, like this really, really deep. And just like, who gets that? Like no one gets that. And this is why part of why I'm like such an advocate for this, because this, that was like, the most deeply healing moment. I can't even imagine. I, 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 what I can understand is the advocacy that you, the passion and the, the fire that you must have after experiencing something. So, oh, you're gonna make me fucking 
cry my eyelash off, but the, the feeling of then wanting to say like, I want other people to have this. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing with your reformation and, and the project and the message you're trying to spread. And, and I mean, I, I feel like, of course, I, I know that the listeners are going to wonder, like, did, was there a point where you said, like you forgave him? Like, did, did, is there any forgiveness involved here? Yeah, that's a good question. So, okay. So when that happened, that was probably four hours into the circle and then like another four hours. And <laughs> they didn't say like, we're having an eight hour circle. They were right. This takes as long as it takes until you feel like, like satiated, like good. Um, mm. and I needed it to be eight hours. And so that was like the first four hours was like purging grief. Right. Right. And the second four hours was like, bringing in so much healing and it yeah. really ended like quite joyfully and like because mm. it was just such a deep like holy shit we did this like both of us almost took our lives probably mm. around time and instead we're here in this circle and he even said at some points like he had clearly done like so much learning around consent and the mm. patriarchy and he was like using so much of that language and mm. saying oh that my the therapist i worked with taught me about this and mm. i was like oh my god like praise I'm like, it worked <laughs> this, like, <laughs> and yeah like it was such a deep like holy shit look at my yeah. using all this like feminist language right so i i did forgive him I feel it's very important to share my definition of forgiveness yes absolutely so not on the same page with that um for me forgiveness is entirely separate from justification and forgiveness can exist alongside any emotion so mm. I can like really mm. mad and in for and being forgiven mm, that's beautiful thank you yeah mm. so I yeah it's like I don't it's what I actually like to say better than like, I forgive you. Cause for me, I'm like, that doesn't sound so finite. It sounds like, okay, we closed the book and I forgive yeah. him. And it's like, no, that's not what this yeah. feels like. What feels better for me is like, I have compassion for you. Mm, wow. Fuck. Yeah. Like, I think that it just feels more true for me and more yeah. for me and more like, empowering for me to be like I have passion for you um yeah in a space where you're told you you shouldn't and that's yeah. probably very empowering I I'm sure people too like myself included would want to know if you got the answer to why because I feel like that's a heavy one right is like blame it on the alcohol blame it on the patriarchy it's like did you were you satisfied with the why question yeah. So this is a little more of a, a complex response because he didn't have a clear like, well, I was sexually mm. assaulted when I was young. And that that is so, so, so common. Yeah. But that wasn't his narrative. And something just really like interesting was that because um, it really did feel like unwinding the patriarchy with this part of it. And like the friend that he brought with him, like mm 
broke down sobbing at one point and was like, I've never cried in front of anyone. Like I was in the military. My dad was in the military. Like I've just never been a part of anything like this. Like this is changing my life. Wow. And like, <laughs> so that was really fucking powerful. And oh, then, shit. <laughs> and then you have them side by side and then like him explaining, my assailant explaining, like he was kind of like, I don't, completely know why I did this um but he shared about like it it is it's like I would call it like he internalized all of the patriarchal messaging that he's been taught since he was young and he suppressed all of his emotions because he's a man since he was young and eventually he just like drank a lot and like all of that internalized unhealed crap like expressed in this horrible way and like I'm not like oh that's okay then but I'm like I see it like he'd been fed rape culture since birth and then we're confused when men like we're like oh catcalling's fine but if you like non-consensually penetrate someone like what like how do you by that and it's like well, A, B leads to C, D. <laughs> yeah, right? So I'm like, I actually think it's a pretty powerful example in that way because it's like, this is a cultural thing. Like, well, then let's yeah. get like, dive into that about, you know, drinking culture and consent and rape culture, mm-hmm. like in an instance where two people are drinking right? Like, I feel like it's so messy and so cloudy because at what point does someone have to take responsibility for hurting another person? Yeah. You know, I feel like it's so tricky when it comes to like, Amy Schumer has this like horrible, but like very relatable joke that the one is like, every woman has been like a scotch raped, right? Like we've all been through it. Everyone's had like an experience and it makes you wonder about like, and I think that's maybe why a lot of women don't report is because they're like, you know, not only self-blaming and saying, I should have, I shouldn't have done this, this, and this. And I guess like, my question is at what point is there like something that happens where it becomes then non-consensual and someone else's fault? And I'm making air quotes like fault. Is there like a, um, Ooh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I I think it's good. Like I, I've talked about this before. Like now looking back with all the like education and, and perspective and stuff that I have, I see that like, a lot of my high school, early college experiences were like that kind of blurry, mm-hmm. drunk, like, was it consensual? Mm-hmm. Was it like, you know, this kind of thing. And it's, it is confusing. Um, but I'm like, at the end of the day, like, no means no. And yes means yes. And like, I think what happened for me is I, was complacent with so many like of those blurry experiences Mm -hmm. but when this happened where I was very clearly like and we were not like friends drinking together and like whatever it was more like all of a sudden he like pulled my pants down and I said I'm practically unconscious right now you definitely shouldn't touch me and he said but it still feels good right and I said no 
And then he continued and I'm just like, that's not consensual. And it's a lot of no, right? A lot of no. And if someone's passed out and they don't, they're not able to access words like yes or no, then it's definitely not consensual. Yeah. And I think the like overall, like simplifying it, like making it simple, stupid is like, if it's not an absolute, very clear, yes, is a fucking definite no period. Okay. Well, I do have to ask the question that I'm sure everyone's wondering is, are you, do you still talk to him? Are you guys friends? Is there like an ending to this before we dive into the rehumanize? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, I'd love to say like where the circle went because it was like after that, that shit show moment of like, Oh my God. And, and that like really intense, like accountability moment um it did start to get like really 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 healing and like there was moments where he said like you know I do want to help stop sexual violence in the world and like I don't drink at all anymore Mm. Um, it's like certain things like that and um that were really meaningful like for him to be like and I, I actually wish there was follow up like follow through and and a lot of um restorative justice programs that are more implemented like the shoplifting ones they will have like hey you said yeah. you do this during the circle like how are you now implementing mm. that mm. cool and I said to him this is another badass moment where I was like you're not going to prison so make meaning of this in the same way that I have your story is powerful too like people need to hear your story too and he shared at one point that like, cause I was like, um, no, I didn't even say like, I'm going to share about this, but oh, you know what it was? His friend was so hyped. Like his friend was so like, he's, his friend said in my 24 years of life, in my eight years of working in my four years of school, I've never learned more than I have today. Mm. And you all need to share this with the world. Wow. This needs to be shared. Wow. And my assailant after that said like I would be really like like sup- like happy or whatever if you did share this um, um, and yeah yeah it was it was like and the the mediators said like in those one-to-one meetings they said you'll see by the end of the day everyone who's in that room will be connected in a way that you ever imagine and I was like gross I don't want to be (laughs) but I get it like after leaving that I'm like we just went through like the hardest freaking like most roller coaster most like miraculous healing moment of a thing and there is this sense of like we all went through something huge and and like on that note like one of the things my sister said was I've never met any of the people in this room other than my, other than me and my mom. She's like, I've never met any of you in my life. And yet you've like changed my life such huge ways. And there is that sense of connection because of the NDA and the remnants of the punitive system. Cause we did like kind of a 180 from punitive to restorative. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't think I'm allowed to reach out to him. Interesting. But I, but I don't know if that's true. And if it was actually fully a restorative process that Mm -hmm. wouldn't 
true. Mm. So I kind of feel like <laughs> this is a real, like I want to say like to be continued. No, like, I, I was going to say, I don't think I knew how fresh this was. Like this is still very much like in the thick of it. And you talk about having like a follow-up meeting. Like I, I definitely think that that should be something that's considered in, you know, the advocacy of this because, you know, he also probably still needs to process his ending, you know, ending of the beginning of the rest of how this is going to play out of, I think maybe that like, there is still hope that you guys could become this like tag team duo, like future world changer people, you know, it, it, it's definitely not over, which maybe like beautifully transitions us into your, your movement of the rehumanized. I mean, what does the future look like? And tell us a little bit about that project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So um, I always like the part where we like get to the present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like how the fuck you can't like dig into the, you can't, I mean, it would take eight hours. Yeah. Really, really dive into it. So that's why I want like our confidants to know about your project so that they can like, because fuck, I didn't even know this existed before. So I can only imagine like the hole that I could find on the internet (laughs) (laughs) or maybe lack thereof. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So basically after this happened, we were like, holy shit, like that was amazing and hard and everything. And also like Kara crown attorney was like, whoa, like, and her thing was like, she was so devastated by the way the system works. Like she got into like prosecution because she wanted to help help survivors. And she was like, it's the worst thing time and time and time again. Um, So she was really amped up as well. And we decided to launch an organization for this. That's really pretty much at like at our core level, we're focused on communicating to the masses that this exists. Right. We're focused on communicating why it Mm. exists. So really like that's our prime focus because what I've learned is that there are tons of organizations who already mediate, not necessarily for sexual violence, but they already do mediations Mm -hmm. and they would do mediations for sexual violence, but A, nobody knows about them. Like, cause technically I could have experienced sexual assault and then called my local restorative justice agency and said, Hey, I help but how would I right do that um so one of the things we want to be is a bridge between Mm -hmm. the masses and these organizations to say hey here's what you can do here's how you can do it and we want to shift like minds and hearts through workshops and awareness Mm -hmm. and education because I also think storytelling is so 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 powerful and that's why keep showing up and telling my story um and I think like bringing so many voices into this conversation of look these are all the survivors different colors different sizes who do want this Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and that's what's most important right it's like it all goes back to the revolutionary thing you said in the beginning of like it really at the end of the day is about y'all's voice yeah yeah thank you so So that's like our, our biggest thing. And then I think as well of like, like, yeah, it's, it's with the victim's bill of rights thing. It's like, it is in the legislation that that should be an option. Mm. 
but nobody's offering it. And so we're like, why aren't they offering it? And they're not offering it because they're also humans who haven't learned about restorative justice, who are scared of like this really controversial, (laughs) this is the, like I, sometimes I'm just like, why am I walking the most controversial path ever? Like how did this happen? (laughs) But like you've seen, you've seen the other side, right? It's like you've walked through the light and like this won't happen unless you're involved. Mm. Yeah, you have such a, a calling in a way. Thank you. Yeah, it it feels like that. And like, it feels very deep. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm clearly like very passionate. (laughs) Well, what can people what can confidants do to hear more, learn more, you know, I'm sure like, I'll have all the links below. But like, I want people to be able to like, send this to a friend, like learn more, ask questions, like, how do you get started? How does this get to the US? Like, where, where do we even start with this? Yeah, beautiful. So uh, great question. Um, I mean, like reach out to me as a human and tell me like why you want to, you know, what calls you towards this, what questions you have. Um, but yeah, I think like go to our website, which is rehumanizemovement.com. People can volunteer, people mm. can like, get some educational resources through there. Mm. Um, we're really, really, really new. So we're just building Um, and I also want to say that I do like healing and and coaching work with women and a lot of it is focused on healing sexuality and a lot of the people I work with through trauma. And so I'm very much available that way as well. And that would be my personal site, which is marleylist.com. Um, and I offer like a lot of free resources. Like I have a free training that's coming up focused on like sexuality and healing um so that's really like that I love 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 that work um but yeah we want we want all the voices on board and we're slowly developing a storytelling platform so yeah just just reach out this is so cool I mean I know you probably I don't have to tell you anything you don't already know but your story is so fucking powerful and to be the first is like you know, they always say like, do you want to be the first or do you want to be the best? And I'm always like, I want to be the first, like (laughs) that your story and and the fact that you have turned your pain into purpose. I mean, I hope, you know, this sharing this on this podcast does something ignites some people, teaches some people the education, just the fact that you're now dedicating your life to that and helping other people. Like, I feel so honored to meet you. And I, I really hope you keep me updated on like what happens with all of this and how we can help and, this is just such a beautiful thing. And, and I feel so lucky that you were able to come here and educate and allow us to be involved in your healing and your story. And you're just a bad bitch. You're just a bad bitch. <laughs> um, okay. So one more time, can you just let us know where people can follow you, where we can learn more, all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, Yay. I'm so, I'm so happy with Me too. know you. And it's also such a gift. Like I, I really, really, really deeply respect you for being able to tackle like such same topics. And so I like- know you are, but what am I? <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I, I feel so recharged and re-energized. Like that's why I wanted this podcast even exists is just to grow and, and be able to learn and make mistakes. And yeah, thank you for saying that. But this isn't about me. This is about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, and hey, we're menstruation sisters. 
<laughs> I know. I'm like, oh God, here we go. Cramps, emotions, crying. Here we go. <laughs> So our organization people can find through rehumanizemovement.com. Um, we are a nonprofit, so donations are always yes. appreciated and that will help us make an impact. Totally. Um, and my personal stuff, my healing work is marleylist.com. Um, yeah, you'll find everything there. Marley, I don't want to say goodbye, but you're so amazing. And again, thank you for taking the time. Um, We're going to be friends. So I'm not going to say bye. I'm just going to say like, I'll talk to you later. And thank you so much again for being on the podcast. I so appreciate you. Thank you so, so, so much. I'll talk to you soon. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye.